Hi, everyone. Katie Anderson, Leadership and Learning Coach here, and I am so thrilled to be welcoming Elizabeth Swan to my author interview series here today. Elizabeth and I have known each other since 2018, and she joined me on my 2019 Japan study tour, and we have been fast friends ever since. I have been so excited to see Elizabeth um, start writing this book and now finish writing it and to be part of the journey. And Elizabeth was such an important part of my writing journey too. She was on my editorial board when I was writing Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, and she read an early version of the manuscript and gave me some really helpful feedback. And I was honored to be able to do the same thing for her, for her new book that is just releasing, Picture Yourself a Leader. Welcome, Elizabeth Swan. I can't wait to talk with you and share your insights with my audience. Thank you, Katie, and thanks for having me on. And I am so psyched to talk to you. Yes. Well, tell before we get started, why don't you tell um, the listeners and viewers just a little bit about uh, yourself and your background? Okay. I have been in the process improvement world for over 30 years now. So in that amount of time, you pretty much cover every industry. <laughs> um, and every format, but I, I'm either a consultant or a coach or an instructor. Uh, and right now I'm doing a lot. I'm teaching a lot. I have a, a Tracy and I designed a Lean, Lean Six Sigma leader class at UCSD, UC San Diego, um, extended studies. And so that I do a lot of work with those guys and um, a lot of private clients in every industry imaginable. And then, you know, of course, writing a book. Yes. Well, and also I know you have a little bit of experience in improv in comedy as well. Yeah, there was a time I kind of in the beginning of my consulting career, I was also on stage with Improv Boston. And that's a funny story. It's in the book, actually, of uh, how that happened. And uh, but what it taught me was that it, it, my attitude at that point was if I can get on stage and perform in front of people with no script, no net. And we did fully improvised, full-length musicals, which I still can't believe that we did that. But um, then I thought I could do anything. And so shortly thereafter, I just put my own shingle out and went, you know, went solo as a, as a consultant and kind of never looked back, right? Yep. Well, it's, it's a real skill to be able to have and put yourself out there and, um, you know, take a risk, right? You never know. Yes. Well, speaking of taking risks, writing a book is, uh, you know, it's a big risk and an un, a great learning process. So let's dive into, um, you know, picture yourself a leader. What inspired you to write this book in the first place? So like a lot of people, COVID changed a lot of things and gave me some time and just gave me, you know, we were all sequestered. So I had a lot of reflection time and I thought about just what I'd learned over 30 plus years and that I had a lot of stories. I, I think a lot of us teach with stories, right? If I ask people what resonated with them from workshops, they'll say, oh, the stories, the stories. So I thought I'd pull some of these because they're always where I learned something. But I, want, I wanted to share those. So I started posting them on LinkedIn. And then Karen Ross, another colleague of ours, uh, challenged me to you know, draw images to go with them. And I think my family is, 
you know, sculptors, painters, uh, ceramic artists, professionals, people in galleries. And so I never thought, you know, I didn't think of myself as an artist, but I do like drawing. So I thought, oh, well, that's that would be fun. And um, so those things kind of got me on this weekly blog of things I'd learned and asking other people, you know, in our community, you know, how did you deal with this? Did you encounter this? And what did you do about it? So this became a great conversation. Yeah, I, I loved seeing your posts during that time and how it really invited conversation. And I contributed some of my thinking there too, and so many others too, uh, which you know I know incorporated their way into your book as well. So let's you know let's talk about how how did you come up with once you made the decision? Okay, let's do these posts, and then how did you come up with the idea for a book? And then how did you think about the structure of the book? That is another fascinating story. So the idea for the book kind of came from people in the conversation, like, hey, you should pull these together. These would make a great book. So I thought, okay. And that was percolating in my mind. And then the Kata Girl Geeks, that incredibly generous group that offers people to come join their starter Kata practice and learn about Kata. Uh, they were sort of front and center for me. And I said, you know, I could, I could do that. So I joined up with one of their uh, cohorts and Maria Grzanka became my coach. So I got to know her and I made my challenge, basically the idea of the book, hmm. like thinking about future state. What do I imagine this book to be? How would it reach people, be of use, be a resource. Like I, I just every day would kind of, my challenge was to get a little more information. I did kind of informational interviews with folks, like what would you find of use? At one point it was about, maybe it's icebreakers because I was using some of the stories to warm up our leadership class. And then people were like, no, no, I see it beyond that. So they that conversation helped me and the, the Kata process brought me full, uh, it kind of full circle into a real image of what the book was going to be. So that that's super exciting. And as we know, the original image of a book is not necessarily how it comes out at the end. What are some things that you learned um, through the process of creating the book? So one of them was just like you're talking about that, um, I, I enjoyed the conversation, right? So that's, that's what was so interesting about this process of going into LinkedIn, posing a question and people like you and just, just, you know, everyone, everyone from our community, authors, lean thinkers, but also people in marketing, people from customer service. Like it was just all across the board. And I realized I really wanted their voices in the book. And what did that look like? So I had to learn how to kind of cull what would be the best representative voices. I decided on three quotes per chapter of from people um, and then reaching out to folks about, you know, is this okay if I quote you and what do you, you know, did you want to add to this or take away from it? You know what I mean? That was a whole process there that I learned, which was great, but it also expanded my community, right? That I had all these people now were part of the book with me. So that was really that was really interesting. Um, another thing I learned, this was really interesting, is I initially thought, you know, oh, well, I probably got one book in me and this is it. <laughs> you know? And uh, and then um, 
I immediately have like three ideas for other books that have happened through this process. I'm sure this happens to you. And then through the um, process of trying to market the book, like um, uh, Stephanie Fager, who we both know, has been a book coach. And she said, well, you're going to have to talk about your journey of publishing the book, right? So there's one thing to write it, but then the journey of publishing the book is different. And it would be good if you talked about that. And I thought, huh, talk about my journey, talk about my journey. And I thought, well, I'll do this on LinkedIn too. And then I thought, I the thing that I've been doing of late and is largely because I went to someone's home in Limerick, Maine, and it just spawned all these limericks. So I thought, well, what if I just do this in limericks? <laughs> so wrote the limericks it was the, is the, the sprint to print, uh, the publishing journey in rhyme. And each week I've been putting out a limerick, as you know, with another question for authors, like, Hey, how did you deal with, um, you know, trying to, Oh, deal with editing, right? How, getting feedback from people. Like how, what was that like? It's kind of your baby. And how do you respond to that? So things like that, which, Oh, just resulted in another great conversation. So then Karen Martin said, Oh, you should pull that into a book. <laughs> it's like, this is never going to end. But I, but <laughs> what cracked me up was I thought, oh, the next book, you know, I'll write this other kind of book. And, you know, like this was just a one-off getting wisdom of the crowd and all these other voices. And I thought, well, if I put that author book together, what I really, what I really like about what happened with this sprint to print limerick journey was all the authors chiming in and what they said. So yeah. I would include them. <laughs> yes. It doesn't have to all be you. I know. Isn't it amazing how ideas continue to evolve and in the pro it's through the process of writing and creation that we get more clarity and then get more creativity as well. Um, and I'm so happy that, you know, I was able to help you on that book publishing and marketing journey too, because when I started in 2018, 2019, working on my book, I knew nothing about all of this. And so to be able to like pass on what oh, I've yeah. learned and also make connections like with Stephanie, who has been, was invaluable and continues to be invaluable to me with book marketing and um, thinking in that mindset yes. uh, is, is so helpful because it's so true. One, <laughs> the creation of the book is one thing and then getting it out there into the hands of people who may not know that they could really benefit from it is, yeah. a, is a whole nother. So I'm really thrilled to here to talk about that. Yeah. You, um, you brought a lot of good, um, connections and also just a thought process into the book. I mean, there's a whole segment after I um, highlight the wisdom of the crowd, right? I, I've got those few quotes, but there's a lot of people that commented, right? I, I didn't include everybody, but I kind of wanted to reflect on what did I learn from that conversation, right? If I take these quotes, what I wrote, this perspective, that perspective, you know, some of them are at odds with each other. So I just wrote a piece called Reflections. And that is like, that's pure Katie Anderson. <laughs> like that is just, I really got from you my own daily practice of reflection. So that's also, I think, a nice um, added element to the book, right? That's a different thing from what, you know, like you said, it's an evolution, right? It was one thing online. It's a very different thing now as a book, right? It's put in order. It's chapters that, you know, what about you know, your respect, how, how you behave, how you speak, how you act, um, how you treat other people, how you treat yourself, right? So forming those into chapters and then imagining the chapter structure, mm -hmm. it just evolved. And I know it did with your book too. Yes. Well, it's 
the, the evolution is endless, which is also why I appreciate this advice that Karen Martin gave me as well, that she's like, at some point, you just have to be okay that your book is a moment in time because your thinking will continue to evolve, you know, and it's okay that your book, you know, is, is sort of finished. And then you can move on to the next one and keep talking about it in different ways. But that is liberating. A it moment is liberating, right? Time. Yes. <laughs> because your thinking does evolve and that's, that's, that's the point, right? So um, things don't stay static, but it's okay to have a book be a moment in time of your current best thinking for the time. Yes. Well, let's dive into some of the content of the book. You know, I love that you have these different pictures with stories. Um, and then, you know, you, you already talked about bringing in the voices of other people who have commented. What is like one story or lesson that's one of your favorites in the book? <laughs> I do have a favorite. And I want to just remark on the drawings for a second, because I feel like in the, I don't know if it's just lean Six Sigma, but it's when people draw humans, they're often expressionless, right? They're very neutered. And I find that it does what happens in a lot of the corporate world, which is pretend emotion isn't there. (laughs) And I feel like what I always wanted to express in my drawings was this is someone being really nervous. This is someone being really pissed. This is someone kind of, you know, confused, but just getting across that emotion. But the story that sticks with me and I'm reminded of a a lot recently because my mentor who was part of the story recently passed away and he really, he really taught me a lot. So this is one big teaching moment. The story is about where I'm my, one of my first times working with him, first times working with this consulting group. We are with a big marine insurance company. We are at a leadership retreat for three days. I'm with him on the first night. We've got everyone together. There's like 50 people. We're standing in a big circle. We've all got our little name tags that are snap on. And he goes, you know, he's goes around the room and he has everyone introduce themselves and you know, say a little bit about themselves and we go all the way around the room and then he goes, okay, everyone take your name t- tags off and throw them in the middle of the room. So everyone takes their name tags off and throw them in the middle. And then he went around the room and he named every single person, all 50 people. He knew exactly who they were first name, but he, he, he knew who they all were. And then the rest of the weekend, they never wore their name tags because they knew each other. And now he knew them, but I didn't know anyone. <laughs> so I was like, Ben, tell me who this is. Ben, who's that? Ben? You know, and I was like, you know, sitting with him at the dinner table that night. I was like, why did you do that? Do you realize you turned me into like, I have to keep asking people who they are. So I said, how, first off, help me understand how you did that. And so he gave me just some uh, advice about the main thing he said, and you'll get this. I think you chimed in on this, on this uh, story. He said, you have to have intent. It has to be your intent to know a person's name. Because what happens is um, someone tells you their name and you hear it and you know it when they're telling it to you. And then you say your name and your brain knows your name really well. So it lights up. That's me. (laughs) And whatever you heard before that, unless you intend otherwise, is gone. So this that lesson alone, and there's lots of other little things you can do, but I think the intent was mm-hmm. mainly it. And that taught me, I use this ever since 
for decades with every workshop I ever ran. I've done it with 50 people. I've probably done it with more. And I have to spend time in the morning. And I usually use my nervous energy when I go around the room, just remembering who everybody is before I get up. And I talk to people, introduce myself and learn that way. But it makes me use my energy in a way to to do the connection. But it completely shifts the mood immediately day one. And they look at me and go, huh, she could do something I can't do. And she cares enough to know my name. Like I feel it shift. So anyway, that was a massive lesson for me. And that got a lot of conversation because everyone has their methods, right? I know you do. (laughs) Well, I, you know, it's this thing I need to continue to work on, you know, it's, it's, it, so tell me what's your secret. What's your method? It is repetition. Um, Like I'll have a table of folks and I will get to know them. And then I'll look at the table and I'll go just in my head, Bobby, Jane, Mary, Yolanda, Patrice, so-and-so. Okay. And then I'll go to another table and I'll talk to people. I get to know them and I'll just do a silent check and my name go around. Then I'll go back to that first table and go, remember, Bobby, Patrice, Yolanda. I, feel like I go back and forth. So I just make sure that I spend time doing that. Um, because all the other little things that he told me, like, you know, maybe they remind you of somebody famous, like it's Ben, reminds me of Ben from Ben and Jerry. That was too hard. Hmm. It really just is repetition and focus. And here's the funny thing. My husband would always say to me, we're going to a party. He goes, okay, remind me who everyone is. I'm really bad with names. But I knew from a story he told me that he used to be a bartender when he was younger. And great story. <laughs> he knows everyone's drinks, right? He memorized all the drinks, just like you said, because that was his intention. Hmm. It made him a better bartender. It got them their drinks faster. It made them feel like he cared and knew them and uh, probably got him better tips. So then one day, he was driving and he got rear-ended and he looked up in the rear view mirror and he said to himself, oh, apricot sour or brandy sour, whatever it was. I was like, because he knew, and it could have been their name. If that's what mattered, he would have known yeah. their names. But I said, you're not bad. It's just not your intention. Yeah, it's to not remember. your focus. Yeah. Your focus. Yes. Uh, yeah. I find for myself, if I can write down where people are sitting, it helps anchor it. But then if they move around, it's challenging. So, you know. Yeah. Jennifer Ayers says she kind of tapes something to each table, just reminding her the placement of people. But if they move around, like I had one group that was like every day they'd come, they like, let's sit somewhere different. So I was like, okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. This would be a little more challenging. I, you know, it's such a, such a powerful example. Those, so those two, those two examples that you shared just now about how an attitude towards caring and intention can really um, have a dramatic impact you know, when I first read and heard that story, I was thinking about um, a story in my book when, from Mr. Yoshino, when he said the same thing. Uh, this was back when every three weeks they would have a new cohort of Amer- like about 30 American leaders coming out for the NUMI training program to learn the Toyota way. And he made it a point of, me- of a, getting all of their pictures and on the first night, memorizing all of their names. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing so that he knew who they, they knew that he cared he knew who they were as a person and it made a huge difference. And so, you know, we can do it. It's where we put our time and our, in our effort. And it's honoring someone it's respect for people. Mm. I, I'm respect you enough to learn your name. Mm. Yes. Uh, I know there's so many great stories in, in your book, you know, actually this is a question I hadn't thought of before, but what was a story that um, got a lot of responses that surprised you? 
where they were unexpected? Um, I think the one that got, uh, there was one about, uh, I, fa- I found this bottle of wine that I'd been given by people from Starwood, Starwood Hotels and Resorts. I did work for them for decades and I helped roll out and design the rollout of their Lean Six Sigma uh, transformation back in 2000. And this wine had been a gift and it was a really nice wine. My father, my uh, husband knows wine. So he stored this thing and we'd had it for decades. I think it was Farniente. Um, so he brought that out one night and it just brought me back. This was, you know, recently he brought it back, brought it out. And I, it brought me back to receiving that wine. And this was, we had, um, uh, we had a debut of, a simulation I'd written, I designed a simulation for them. We'd, we'd run it in the, in the States with all the leadership. It was hugely successful. There was an article in the, New York, in the Wall Street Journal by the CEO at the time of, of Starwood saying how effective it was and how everyone was bought in. And now we go to Europe and we're going to get all the area managers and all the leadership in Europe. And we're going to run the, and I'm going to run this thing. And, you know, it's, there's a whole bunch of us running them simultaneously. And, we're all staying on this incredible resort. Um, what's the island south of Corsica? What is that? Anyway, it's beautiful. Um, and I, I, the the guy they set me up with to co-run it, didn't know his part, and uh, I hadn't had sleep. I had never slept since fl- landing, so I was running on fumes. And then I think the leadership in Europe, I didn't realize this, was, was uh, irritated, or that's a light word, <laughs> we're not happy, about the uh, stateside group leadership deciding that they were going to do this, right, Lean Six Sigma. So there was some, a little uh, pushback. And so there, I had people working against me, I had people not working with me, and then I probably wasn't at my best. And it, it, it just didn't work. And I used to say, oh, you can never break that simulation. Whatever happens, it's real and you can use it and you can have teach pieces from it. And I think, and I wrote in the book, I'm like, well, that day it broke. And I had to go tell the client, like, I'm sorry, this, this is bad. And, you know, I know, and I checked in, the other groups did well, the, the um, simulations went according to plan. And two things happened. Um, one, the client was really took it on themselves for how they hadn't helped me hadn't prepared the group well, hadn't gotten a good second. You know, they were just looking at their part in it and immediately threw me into like, we need you here, we need you here, we need you here. So that they never stopped. I mean, then it was decades from there that I kept working with them, but they totally supported me. The other thing that happened is one of the other consultants, you know, could see on my face the next morning, <laughs> I, was, I was miserable. And he said, so have you never bombed before? And I was like, he goes, looks at me and he's just started laughing and he goes, oh my God, let me tell you a few stories. And just, just started telling me all the ways that he, you know, things had gone wrong and just kind of let me know, get used to this, expect it and, and move on. And I think that kindness made such a huge difference to me. So that one got just kind of went into the, you know, 10,000 views, whatever. And people all just talking about failing, how they got treated when they failed. Uh, helping other people when they fail, just failure is a lightning rod, you know, mm. that one was huge. Yeah. I mean, it, 
it is so much. I mean, that I get that feedback on my book too, of how much, because Mr. Yoshino was willing to be so transparent about the failures that he had too, um, how powerful that was. And I, I think we don't talk like, it, it's like something we have to be shameful of, of failure, but you know, failure isn't failure if you learn something from it. And I bet this set you up really well for your improv career because you know, you're gonna fail. You have to be okay to bomb, right? Like otherwise, you never just on stage. Not just okay to bomb. Uh, you have to almost be looking for mistakes because those are what makes it interesting. Like, oh, where are we gonna go with that? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, that's that's life, right? We don't we like we actually gravitate towards the imperfections, but somehow we feel like we have they to can. be perfect. And so this is like this this dual this dual thing that our imperfections, which really unite us as human beings, but then we're afraid of showing them at the same time. So what, what a kind uh, colleague you had to help you recover from that and the way your, your client handled that situation as well. That taught me a lot. And then Dorsey Sherman chimed in. When I posted this, she had just read something by Angela Duckworth, who wrote the book Grit. Mm. The article was the science around just what we're talking about, learning from your mistakes, and that people had a hard time learning from their own mistakes because it was so imbued with emotion. Mm. You got sort of emotionally hijacked by what had happened, but we could learn from other people's mistakes. So I feel like you and I have written books sort of acknowledging mistakes and where they led. And I think the stories, like we're, you know, the human beings traffic in stories, right? So we, we can feel for another human being. And, and that is actually, it's almost like you're learning by proxy. Mm. Like I'm learning from what happened to Mr. Yoshino or what happened to mm. um, other people can learn what happened to me. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of mistakes, you, know, one of our friend, Mark Grabens has a podcast, my favorite mistake, and he's about to publish a book all about uh, mistakes and learning from mistakes too. He'll be coming on this author interview series soon. So I, yes, we can learn from each other's mistakes and how to give kindness to each ourselves about the mistakes that we make as well. Like, so treat ourselves with the same level of kindness that we would, we would treat others with. So powerful, yeah. Elizabeth. Uh, if you, you already shared one really impactful leadership lesson that you've learned personally, you know, around the learning people's names, um, well, then also kindness too, but what, if you think about another sort of leadership practice that wasn't natural to you perhaps earlier in your career that you have had learned and incorporated into your practice that's been really impactful? What, what's another one of those practices? That's a great question because something happened as I was drawing and I realized, you know, drawing, I could just, I would do a face and I would a lot of times I was drawing me because I was in the story, but then I thought, well, I should include other people. And I was like, you know, vaguely drawing Tracy, my cohort at the Just in Time Cafe. Um, and then I, I became part of a BIPOC committee, which is uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color, allies, and accomplices. And I started thinking about representation. Like here I have these, you know, very simplistic drawings. And but you can, I mean, I'm not drawing any facial tone. So what I started thinking, well, what would representation look like? So I had to think about gender and I had to think about race. And I was like, okay. And so I would look at people's hair. Like, you know, a lot of women in the book 
Some of them might uh, look like Deandra, right? Or I have a lot of women where I, I'm kind of modeled them after Joy Mason. Um, so I included, and I included people that I'm like, I don't know, could be a guy, could be a girl. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe so, it's neither non-binary. It could be non-binary. And I, but I was, it became a very conscious process and that really informed me on many levels, right? Mm -hmm. That I've got to have that as part of my process mm -hmm. that I, I have like unconscious bias. So I'm going to have to put some thought into this, right? And that was great. That's, that's so true. And it gets back to that word intention, right? We, we like, we all have unconscious bias. It's just inherent. But how do we bring more intentionality to one recognizing what that is? And then of course, correcting um, and showing up in a way that's more aligned with the impact that we really want to have. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so Elizabeth, I have one more question for you. So what's one question that I haven't asked you here that you would like to be asked? So what's, and then what's that question and what's your answer? Um, let's see. I shoot treat. I... <laughs> I answered another one. I answered it without thinking. Um, There's so many questions. I have more questions I can ask you. <laughs> um, I think the question would be, how did you include Lean Six Sigma in the book? Hmm. All right. So Elizabeth, how did you include Lean Six Sigma in, in your book? Picture yourself a leader. So one of the kind of uh, residual effects of working with uh, KGG, the uh, uh, Kata Girl Geeks, was this process of constantly asking, you know, what's an, you know, what do you envision as future state, and then what's an experiment you could try that would get you there, and what do you what do you think might happen if you try that, and what I did was in the, uh, in the last section of each chapter, I have basically questions for the reader and they follow that format. They kind of follow this, imagine a future state, consider an experiment, and then what do you expect to happen? So I have people experimenting and I know people have used kind of, uh, what was it? Tracy Defoe said, oh, your book is kind of kata adjacent. <laughs> which I love that term, but that is something that it became really enjoyable for me to think about that at the end of each chapter, like, well, what's a good question to get someone to rethink how they deal with this particular issue? Because not all the issues are going to be things that people uh, care about or mean anything, you know, mean something to them. It's, it's almost like you can cherry pick. You can go through the index. You could go through the chapters and go, oh, listening that's my problem. I will read this. Right. But whatever it is, I want those questions to be good, a good format for someone to start experimenting with just making a slight shift. So I think that was where I brought my training in, which, which felt really good. Yeah. I like, I like that because it's, you, you know, it, it can, the, the book and the contents about, you know, leadership at all levels and, still bringing in, not necessarily specifically targeting people who are lean and six Sigma, um, practitioners, but bringing in that mind, that, that thinking process and the, the reflection is a source of learning and that scientific method, which is the, you know, the foundation of continuous improvement, lean six sigma as well. 
Um, and I love that too. That was something that was really important for me when working on my book too, to have reflection questions at the end so that people could reflect on the story and say, how does this apply to me? What do I think? Because that's what ultimately is the most important part. Like how do you then taking knowledge and information and taking action on it? Um, yes, no, you are, you are a master of that uh, just act of reflection. And I think the other thing that struck me, I had a number of people read it that were not part of this world, right? Mm-hmm. I had a movie editor, a magazine editor. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the people that, anyway, they uh, a radio podcaster, like just a bunch of people that I thought I, I value their opinions. And to a person, they all said, oh, this really got me thinking. Like, like one of them wrote it, her son afterward and said, did I do this? Is this something that, I, <laughs> you know, she was trying to like, I want to correct this. I don't want to be that person or I don't want to behave in that way. So they all reported like, wow, this is making me think. Um, and I want this for my daughters or, you know, so it felt like, oh, it's, it has legs, you know, like it really gets people thinking. Well, that's great. Well, and I hope, I know there's so many great golden nuggets in your book. And I'm so thrilled for people to be able to experience them. If you want a preview, of course, go back and look at Elizabeth's uh, LinkedIn posts and follow her limericks of her writing journey, but you'll be able to soon get your hands on the copy of the book um, themselves. So Elizabeth, where can people find uh, your book? So right now you can get them on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. Okay. So yeah, Great. picture your, your, you want to see it? Yeah, let's see it. Picture yourself a leader. <laughs> picture yourself a leader. Illustrated micro lessons for navigating change available on Amazon. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for joining me here. I am so excited to uh, be celebrating the release of your book. It's been, you know, the, the writing process is now coming to an end and the welcoming it into the world is beginning. So I am thrilled to be by your side to celebrate you. Thrilled to have you you, uh, by my side, Katie. It's awesome. Great. Well, for those of you too, who are listening in the first week of this release, Elizabeth and I have a special opportunity for you. Elizabeth, hold up your book again. We are giving away two signed copies, each of our books for two lucky winners um, based in the United States. Uh, If you happen to enter and win uh, in We'll, we'll give you something else. I have some other um, special surprises that can you, offer you, but the first two people from the US will be getting a copy of Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn by me and Picture Yourself a Leader by Elizabeth Swan. So enter in the links below here and uh, good luck. Be sure to spread your lucky URL to increase the chances of winning. All right, good luck, register.